Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are continuing our study on the Bible, the Biblios, uh, the book, um, 39 of the Old Testament and 27 New Testament. And we talked about how the Bible is not just a book. It is inspired by God himself. It is God-breathed. And God is the author of the Bible, and he used uh, the writers as trans, uh, transcribers. And so when we look at the Bible, uh, we should approach it with reverence because it is the word of God. And because of the fallen state that we're in, um, things are not the way that it ought to be. And I speak in regards to those that don't believe that the Bible is the authentic word of God. You may be saying yourself or to yourself, well, uh, let them believe what they want to believe as long as I know that the Bible is the word of God. That would be fine if, the, if God himself uh, didn't call on us uh, to stand up and give a reasonable response to those that ask sincere questions as we find in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be you always ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, and to do it with gentleness and respect. So all of us as Christians are called upon to give each man, each woman, each boy and girl an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, doing it with gentleness, doing it with respect. So it's not enough just to uh, say, well, they have their belief system and I have my belief system, so we're just going to have to uh, let them believe what they want to believe. No, that's not acceptable. Uh, God has called all of us to a higher calling, and that's to uh, help people to understand what the gospel message is, is to have that desire to introduce people to Uh, Jesus the Christ. And as we look at the Bible in totality, we realize that all through the Old Testament, there's this prelude to the Messiah, to the anointed one, to the Christos. There's this uh, prelude, a preview uh, to uh, the coming of the Messiah. And then the New Testament, uh, even starting with the book of Matthew, we see that the lineage, um, the historicity, the genealogy is pointing to the Messiah. And then eventually the Messiah has come. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So now we're in a different uh, chapter of our human history where the Messiah has come. The Messiah has been crucified, but the Messiah, um, the Messiah was buried, but he didn't stay in the grave. We, we are at a point in history where the Messiah 
uh, was risen on the third day, and he rose up with all power in his hand, um, signifying uh, that Jesus is God the Son, he's divine, and he's able to take care of whatever problems we have. If God is powerful enough to save us, he's powerful enough to take care of our problems after he saves us. So the Bible tells a story. It's a story that all of humanity should know. We don't have to go and figure out where our origin stems from. The Bible is clear that God created uh, Adam, and since then, uh, God has been taking care of us since the creation. And it also tells us how uh, all of this chaos that we find ourselves in originated. Because of the fall, sin was ushered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. Um, and, and that's an important uh, segment, Romans 5 and 12, that we all need to be reminded of. The Bible is there to help us. The Bible is there to clear up any confusion about how we got here. The Bible is there to remind us that uh, we have a problem in this world. It's a spiritual battle that's going on. Uh, the, the Bible reminds us uh, that in the spiritual realm, that the devil uh, has his ambassadors uh, who are determined to throw us off track. Uh, the devil desires for no man to know Jesus. Then the Bible uh, tells us that uh, these demonic activities are designed to keep us from the truth of God. The devil doesn't want you to worship God in truth. The devil wants you to live in confusion, in falsehood, in chaos. And that's what the Bible reminds us of. That's the reality. That's the truth. Many people are not living in the real world. That's my, pa- uh, my, my, my pastor used to say. Uh, they're not living in the real world. Many people choose or are happy living in falsehood uh, because change is difficult. But we that are love us of Christ. We that know that we've been called to share the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, we have a special empathy for people that are lost, and we continue to share the gospel, and the good news of Jesus Christ can only be found in the scriptures. So, we should have a desire, we should have a burden for the lost. We should know uh, what the truth is so we can share the knowledge with others so they can be liberated, so the fetters of bond, bondage can be loosened. We that uh, know Jesus, we must tell the truth, and that truth must be dipped and rooted in our love for them. So last week, uh, as we talked about the Bible and how to better understand the Bible as we approach it, we just don't go to the Bible and um, arbitrarily select a passage and then start trying to interpret what that passage is saying. Uh, there's a method, a process, which must be used when trying to interpret the Bible, when trying to read the Bible and trying to understand what the passages are saying. Uh, there's a process, and we call that process hermeneutics. 
the science and art of biblical interpretation. The science and art of biblical, biblical interpretation. Uh, and for those that are not familiar with this term, uh, H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S, hermeneutics, is the science and art of biblical interpretation. On last time, we talked about the criteria that was used by the early Christians uh, to determine which books should be classified as God's authentic word to humanity. We talked about how the world, many in the world, um, surmise or propose or theorize that there are lost books of the Bible. That's how they they term it. That's how they classify it. Lost books of the Bible. And this is to insinuate that um, there's more than 66 books uh, that other books should be included in the Bible. And they have evidence of those writings. And um, in their estimation, those books ought to be included in uh, the rest of Scripture. And some even go as far to say that um, the reason why it's not a part of the 66 or included in the canon is because Christians were trying to hide something. So I want to try to address that particular argument and to uh, give you assurance that we do have what they wrote. We do have what they wrote. And by they, I'm talking about uh, the early apostles and the church fathers. We do have what they wrote, what the apostles wrote, and how those writings were preserved by the early church fathers. So let me address again the criteria for canonization. And by canon, uh, we're talking about that word, canon, uh, the Hebrew word canon, which, which is translated read or a measuring rod or a stick. So uh, very similar to what we would call today a ruler, a ruler. Uh, the ruler is the standard by which we measure things. And so when we talk about it in a biblical uh, concept, uh, the ruler or the Bible serves as our ruler. And when it comes to uh, the writings of the Bible, especially the New Testament, that's where there are plenty of controversies about what belongs in the Bible and what does not belong in the Bible. So I, I talked about how these so-called lost books of the Bible have never been lost. Uh, we've always, as a Christian community, known about these Bibles, and, or, or rather these writings. Uh, and the early church fathers um, vetted them and decided that they were not good enough to be included in the canon. And their criteria w- uh, were, were uh, threefold. Number one, uh, in order to determine which writings were to be included in the canonicity of the Bible, the first question they asked was, was the text inspired by God? Was the text inspired by God? So as they were reading these so-called lost, lost writings, they were trying to answer the question, did the Holy Spirit move on whoever wrote this letter Uh, to be included in the canonicity of the Bible. And if they rejected it uh, on these terms, it was because they found something in the text 
Doesn't matter if it was one sentence or two sentences. If they found something in the text that were blatantly contradictory to the rest of, uh, rest of Scripture, they rejected it. They rejected it. If they have a writing, whether it's the book of Thomas, whether it's the book of Mary, whether it's the book of Barnabas, uh, whatever uh, book it is or writing, if there's any part of their writing which can be proven to be blatantly contradictory to the rest of Scripture, they rejected it. The second uh, criteria they used was to answer this question, did God's people recognize it as the Word of God? So as the letters were being circulated in the first century, uh, the second criteria basically says those apostles that are alive, those students of the apostles that were alive, can we prove with certainty that this letter came from Paul? Uh, This letter, did it come from Matthew? Did it come from Peter? Is there a a historical track uh, for us to connect it to? Can somebody like Polycarp, who was John's student, can he vouch that these, this letter and the contents of the letter um, can be traced back to the authors? And if it was a yes, then uh, that was the second criteria that had to be met, and, uh, and, and it was vetted. If, if it, they could prove that uh, there were um, some sort of a break or some sort of confusion in regards to did Peter or Matthew uh, actually write this letter, as an example, or Paul, did they actually write this letter? If there was some sort of controversy, then um, it made them less likely to include it into the, uh, the canonicity. So what we have in the New Testament is the ability, all the books that we have, the 27 uh, letters or books, they all have to meet these standards. Was the text inspired by God? Did God's people recognize it as the word of God? Um, and, and these were questions that had to be unpacked. Hebrews, as an example, is an anonymous, anonymous writer. But there is evidence that uh, more, more than likely it was written by Paul. Well, you may be saying, well, since we can't prove with 100% certainty that it's written by Paul, how do we know uh, or, or why should we include it in the uh, New Testament text? Because the answer is simple. If you read the book of Hebrews, you will see that throughout the letter, there's nothing in it that contradicts any other part of Scripture. Everything that Hebrews talks, talks about is in harmony with the rest of Scripture. So there's nothing in there that hasn't already been substantiated by other parts of the Bible. So was the text inspired by God was the first question. Did God's people recognize as the word of God? That's the second question. The third question says, was the text successfully preserved? And that was my initial question. Do we have what they wrote? Was it preserved uh, in a way that we can be certain that it hasn't been corrupted, that this text hasn't been corrupted, that the ability uh, for this text to be handed down from generation to generation or from, from years to years or from days to days, that we can be assured or we, we can have faith that has been properly preserved, uh, that no one has gone into it and added to it or taken away from it. And so those were the th- uh, three uh, criteria that the early church fathers used 
to determine whether or not um, a text in the Bible uh, was from God or fabricated. And we can be certain. We, as Christians, we can definitely be uh, at peace knowing that we do have what they wrote and what they wrote came from God himself. So uh, it, it's very important that you understand this criteria because there are many in the world who have their own ideologies, they have their own rhetoric, they have their own mindset on what they believe happened, and many of their arguments have nothing to do with authentic history. It has a lot to do with subjective bias against Christianity, against God, and against the church. So what about uh, a pseudopigraphical text? The word uh, pseudopigrapha means false writings or work. And it comes from the combination of two Greek words, pseudo, which means false, and epigraphian, meaning inscription. So this term is often used in references to, bibl- uh, to false biblical writings, as we talked about. However, they have been found, these false writings, after uh, research, they have been found to be illegitimate. Paul, in his writings to the church, if you read Galatians, the first chapter, he warns them about such false teachings and false preachings. Galatians 1, 7 is an example. He further informs his readers that there were those who, whose intent was to disseminate a perverted form of the gospel. And we see that in our modern era, those who desire to preach and teach a perverted form of of God's gospel, uh, such as those uh, who preach and teach that all Christians uh, are supposed to be uh, financially wealthy, Uh, that if you are not financially wealthy, then it's because you don't have enough faith. Uh, Those who teach false um, doctrines, such as if you're sick, then it's because you don't have enough faith. Um, Those things uh, are perverted form of the gospel. Uh, Paul uh, says in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2 that you, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or message or letter as it is from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Again, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or message or letter as it is from, uh, as it's from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So Paul is basically uh, telling the Christians in Thessalonica that don't, do not stray away from what you've been taught. Don't lose your composure. Don't let uh, teachings by uh, false spirits, demonic spirits, uh, any uh, other type of spirit, evil spirits, or or message or letter, uh, like it's from us, meaning uh, uh, Paul and his colleagues that are teaching the authentic, sound doctrines. Don't listen. Don't take heed. Don't don't let false theology cause you uh, to lose your identity. Don't let false teachings cause you to become dismayed. Don't let false teachings cause you to lose time 
with the authentic teaching of God's word. So we don't want to be led astray. We don't want to be tricked. Uh, We don't want to be uh, led away from God's authentic word. Just because individuals are articulate, just because individuals have uh, have followers, does not necessarily mean that he or she is uh, propagating the sound doctrine of God's word. So we have to be careful. Keep your composure. And if I may use a modern vernacular, keep your cool. Don't let these things cause you to crumble. Don't, don't, don't let it cause you to stress out just because the history channel is uh, broadcasting a, a documentary on the lost books of the Bible or uh, the Jesus Seminar group back in the early 90s uh, when they taught that uh, the, the, the words that we ascribe to Jesus, which are in red in the New Testament, they uh, theorized that Jesus actually didn't say those words. Again, Paul says, don't let those type of teachings trip you up. Uh, so whatever it is, if we're going to listen to it, you don't have to internalize it because people will always say what they want to say. And many people are being influenced by the devil himself to keep us away from uh, the authentic truth of God's word, to keep us away from um, drinking the pure milk of God's word. So it's important that we stay uh, on top, that, that we are vigilant, and that we're not allowing ourselves to be deceived. Uh, the irony uh, of the so-called law's book is that the Ecclesiastical Church of Christ, as I said before, we've always known about them, so they're not lost. Uh, there are numerous uh, pseudopagrypha gospels that exist today. Currently, there are more than 50 uh, that we've discovered. So there's a lot of so-called uh, lost books out there, but again, if they didn't meet these three criteria that we talked about, uh, they weren't included. And again, the early church has always known about them. So you can't call something lost when you know where they're at. And, and we do know where they are. Uh, we, do, we do know where they're being stored. Uh, and it has been read. And it's not a secret. If you want uh, to go look at them in terms of research, then you can go look at them in terms of research and see what they're saying. But you will ultimate, ultimately realize that many of the things that's in the so-called laws of the books of the Bible uh, are contradictory to the rest of Scripture. So we pray that these uh, episodes on the Bible have helped you to grow closer and to be more confident in God's word to humanity. Again, the Bible is not just a book. It's God's message to humanity. It is from God to us. It's from God to us. And if we want to live a life that's abundant, we need to read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. And in doing so, you'll see that your life will change for the better. And then we all have assignments that God has given us. So they'll become clear as we read the Bible. Well, our time has come to a close. Uh, We ask for your continued prayers. And then, of course, if you're able to donate financially, we ask that you become a partner. Uh, This show is, is being sponsored by many of our partners like yourself who listen to it. 
Uh, so you can go on our website and give or go to our P.O. box and uh, make a check out to Sound Reasoning Ministries. Again, remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.